And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we thank you for being part of today's program as we're going to be talking about Holy Week Prophecy. So stay tuned. Those of you following us on social media, make sure that you hit the like button and also send this program so your friends and families can be part of it. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for all who have tuned in and hear, want to hear your word. I thank you so much for this week, Lord, the Holy Week, as we look forward to remembering your great sacrifice on the cross and your glorious resurrection. And Lord, by that which we might be saved. And I thank you, Lord, for this time together with uh, all those tuned in in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned into The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Edition, a ministry of Lamb Lion Ministries. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, again, as we're talking about Holy Week Prophecy. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones, to the program. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Hey, brother. Always good to be on sharing the gospel. And look, folks, we're so glad you're tuned in. This is a special week. I think I hope you're excited uh, as we remember the Lord's uh, crucifixion and resurrection, two of the greatest events in all of human history. Woo! Awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan. Hey, Nathan, for someone who's new on the program, might you be able to share with them what we do and maybe how they can get a hold of the, all the wonderful resources as part of this ministry? Excellent. Well, as Vic said, The Truth Will Set You Free is a the podcast outreach of Lamb and Lion Ministries. Uh, Vic and I are both evangelists with Lamb and Lion Ministries, and our ministry is mission to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We're excited that the Lord's coming back. We see the signs of the times, and we want to share those with others and get them excited too. And uh, when you're excited about the Lord's soon return, you dedicate your life to holy living and to evangelism. And so we pray that uh, as we listen and go through the Bible here, that uh, we together grow in our excitement of Jesus Christ. So you can check us out on our website at ChristInProphecy.org. Oh, thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And yeah, Nathan, talking about excitement today, uh, this weekend, we're going to have the opportunity to do our first sunrise service in the Daytona Beach area out on the beach. So we're excited about that as well. Yeah, for folks who don't know, uh, Vic is, of course, a pastor of many years. He's planted a number of churches. He's got a new one going uh, in uh, what area again? Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach. So if you like sun, surf, and Bible, that's the best place to go. <laughs> Thank you. Your church, Vic. Like Thank you so together? much, Nathan Jones. Yeah, it's a Speedway Church in the Daytona Beach area, Calvary Chapel. So, yeah, we're excited. We were in Miami for like 20 years, Nathan, and the Lord gave us the opportunity to start our church plant. We have a small Bible study going on and just uh, evangelizing, you know, reaching the community whichever way we can. Excellent. Excellent. I wish I was there. Uh, leave the Dallas area and visit you, and someday I will and get to see your church in person. Next year, I'll have a beach chair ready for you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Nathan, you and I are always excited because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and it's just a wonderful opportunity to encourage people. And this is one of those weeks where we have that opportunity to do so as we talk about Holy Week. Um, Nathan, what's interesting is a lot of people have heard about Holy Week. They've heard of Palm Sunday. They heard about the crucifixion. They heard about the resurrection, but very, but 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 very few people. Are, are actually aware of all the prophecies that took place during that week. I mean, just so many prophecies that were fulfilled, but yet people don't really have an awareness of that. And that's why you and I have chosen to do this topic and this program is to draw out all these amazing prophecies uh, that took place during this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at the Gospels, for instance, 
and you see how much of the many of the chapters are dedicated just to the very last week that Jesus was here. I mean, you get stories, obviously, of, of his teachings through the three years of his ministry, but really the, the bulk of the Gospels focus on the last week. And so, yeah, there's obviously a lot about Palm Sunday, the crucifixion and the resurrection, but there's a lot of other prophecies that fall in during that week. Jesus spent, for instance, a lot of time at the temple teaching. And so the Bible teaches about uh, all that that was going on while he taught at the temple. So I'm excited that we're going to cover this topic, uh, a topic that people kind of know about, but never think, oh, yeah, there's a lot going on that week. Absolutely, absolutely. And especially, Nathan, as we divide the week into three, we have the beginning, Palm Sunday, we have the middle, uh, the crucifixion, then we have the end, the exciting part of the resurrection. But uh, if you were able to take us to John's Gospel, Nathan, chapter 12, so that we can dive into verses 12 through 16, and then we'll begin to tie in these prophecies from these verses. Okay. Well, let's begin at the beginning of the week, and that's the triumphal entry. We know that as called Palm Sunday. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12, verse 12, we'll read till 16. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And then Jesus, when he found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. You know, Nathan, it's just amazing because right there in those few verses, uh, and I mean, you and I were very familiar with the story. We've heard it over and over again. But those uh, events there uh, really were just amazing because in the Old Testament, I mean, we're talking about over 400 years earlier, Nathan, or so, the Bible spoke about these events. And one of those uh, events, if you can take us there, is, is uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Oh, yeah. Well, if you have a reference Bible, you can see as these prophecies are laid out in the New Testament, there'll be a little number or letter that points you to the notes, and the notes will tell you where you can find the, these prophecies. So you're right. We go back to Zechariah, who was a prophet uh, just after the exile. He was part of rebuilding uh, Israel uh, after they'd come back from exile. So about 520 uh, B.C., is, you know, that's a, a time period. So, yeah, 550 years earlier, Zechariah prophesied in verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Nathan, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't know if people really grasp what's happening here. I mean, you just mentioned to us at least 550 years earlier, it was prophesied exactly how the Messiah was going to enter into Jerusalem with great details. Yeah, there are so many prophecies about the second coming uh, a mathematician years ago, Peter Stoner, calculated that eight of the 108 prophecies, specific distinct prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming, that it just eight were fulfilled in one man is one in 10 to the 17th power. So that's mm -hmm. one in 10 in superscript, a little 17. So that's one followed by 17 zeros. And he made this great analogy. He said, said imagine you take the state of Texas and you fill it with two feet of quarters. 
two feet high. And then you mark one and just throw it in and you mix it all up. And then you take a blind man, you set him loose in Texas, which is about the size <laughs> of the country of France. And he, the first coin he picks up, that's the one with the mark. That's the possibility that Jesus would fulfill. So, you know, you hear detractors and skeptics say, ah, Jesus read these prophecies and then he went out and he purposely fulfilled them. Impossible. Absolutely impossible to get at least even eight of the, not counting the 108 prophecies fulfilled in Jesus' life. So yeah, 550 years beforehand, it was prophesied that the Messiah would ride in, not just on a donkey, but a colt or the, the child, a young donkey, one we read in other gospels that had never been ridden before. And the people would recognize him as a king. That's why the people went and ripped down palm branches and put them out before him and shouted Hosanna and, and the king has come and all because... They, they saw prophecy being fulfilled right before their eyes. And Nathan, and you know what's, what's exciting about that too? It also teaches the importance of reading the Bible. They have the Old Testament and you can see that those that were following scriptures and reading scriptures and taking it to heart really were blessed when they saw these events taking place. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they were seeing Bible prophecy being fulfilled right before their eyes. They were anticipating that Jesus was coming to set up his kingdom. He would conquer the Romans and, and he'd set himself up and his disciples, the apostles were looking forward to being you know, high level administrators in his government. And then Jesus would set up his kingdom and Israel would be the pristine nation of the world. Now, they certainly got the timing and they certainly ignored Isaiah 53, for instance, which prophesied the suffering servant and the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, but you know, they, were, they thought that the kingdom was coming in at that time period, and many theologians speculate that if the people did accept Jesus at that time period, that the kingdom would have been ushered in then. 2,000 years later, we're still waiting for the fulfillment of this, but here we see, at least with this specific prophecy, that Jesus Christ came just as he was prophesied. He'd be riding on a very young donkey, a colt. You know, Nathan, that's why I, I, I'm just um, so thankful for the Word of God, and I'm so thankful for Bible prophecy. And, and it's sad, and you and I have spoken about this before, but every time you mention prophecy or Bible prophecy, so many people just tune out, and all they think about is gloom and doom in the book of Revelation. But like you oftentimes remind us that, what, two-thirds or maybe one-fourth of the Bible is prophetic in nature. Uh, 27 to about 31 percent. I've seen as high as 31 percent, depending on some of the verses that are questionable. But you can be guaranteed 27 percent. So more than a quarter, maybe even a third of the Bible is prophecy. God wants us to know the future. He wants us to know what his prophetic plan is, and that is the redemption of mankind. And so this is what we're seeing here. Jesus reaching the apex of his uh, ministry, uh, this final holy week for the purpose of bringing redemption to mankind. That was the kingdom he was ushering in at that time period, the church. Now, certainly he's going to fulfill the Davidic promise to sit on the throne of, of David and rule and reign from Jerusalem. That's here what the Jews were thinking was about to happen. But we know that that comes at his second coming, not his first coming. Mm, excellent point. Thank you, Nathan. Again, for those of you that just tuned in, you're tuned into The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition, Big Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministries. Again, we're talking about Holy Week Prophecy, the amazing events that took place during this week. And Nathan, not only that, but also what, what the words that were being said when you read the Gospel of John, uh, Hosanna. And there's also another amazing prophecy in Psalm 
118 verses 25 through 26. Can you take us there? Well, part of this, we, we read how Jesus rode in in a cult, but listen to what the people said. They, they shouted, Hosanna, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me, the King of Israel. But then we go, you're right, Psalm 118, that was a fulfillment of the prophecy, verses 25 through 26. Save now, I pray, O Lord, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Here it is. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So the people were shouting the very same things that David was recording back in Psalm 118 a thousand years earlier. Now, Nathan, we went not only 550 years, but now even further in history, again, to show the credibility of Bible prophecy and the accuracy of Bible prophecy. Absolutely. I, it's, it's, it's amazing uh, that David and Zechariah were given glimpses or prophecies of what the future would be and what the people would say. And, and now... I look forward to the day when Jesus doesn't ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. You know, to, 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 that's not very impressive, but that's what victorious generals and kings would do back in that time period. Nowadays, they'd ride in on a great white horse, you know, a war charger. That's what Jesus will ride in at the second coming. Ooh, I love that, Nathan. That You know, this weekend I had the opportunity to uh, uh, share a, a similar message in one of the Calvary Chapels, New Smyrna, and I reminded the individuals of that. The next time the Lord comes, it's not going to be in a donkey, but according to Revelation 19, uh, uh, an amazing white war horse. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely spectacular. And, uh, we're covering the first coming, but here we go. We got two prophecies right there, two direct prophecies right there that Jesus fulfilled. And Nathan, also what's amazing is, uh, I, I read about this, day. it's actually something called like a Hebrew uh, idiom, Hosanna, which also means come or salvation, uh, salvation. And I thought that was fantastic because really, that's what the Bible says in Matthew 1. Jesus, uh, his name implies his mission. He came to save and seek those that are lost. Absolutely. And what's interesting is the people at that time period were looking for a political savior. And who isn't today? You know, I mean, when Donald Trump was president, uh, people treated him like uh, he was a political savior. And the world was looking for an um, uh, antichrist. He will be the, the savior, so, as so they think, when he comes. And everyone's looking for some great man to step in and save them from a, a, a constrictive government. And this is where the people got it all wrong. Uh, you know, they spent some time with Jesus. They're like, hey, wait a minute. He's really not the, the kingly type who's going to overthrow a government. No, Jesus was there to, he had to defeat sin nature and the death that comes from that, the punishment for our sins, before he could then set up a kingdom that would be filled here on this earth with people who are saved. Mm, excellent point. And you know, Nathan, and that, that's something that we encourage people to uh, really not miss the boat, because uh, when we when we don't follow scripture, uh, we tend to drift away. And, and we notice this. Jesus came in riding on a donkey. They're hailing him. Here is the uh, he's the king. And then we move into the middle of the week. And now all of a sudden they're actually putting him to death or, or crucifying him. And it's just amazing uh, the procession here of the story uh, as we now move to Matthew chapter 27, uh, verses 34 through 42. Would you be able to take us there, Nathan? Yes, yes. It wasn't very long before the people turned on Jesus, anticipating this great political leader and realizing he was a spiritual leader. And uh, then the people wanted to crucify Jesus. They, they, of course, the 
leaders, very jealous, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had uh, false uh, trials of Jesus. And of course, we get to this story in Matthew 27 about his crucifixion. And uh, it's amazing how much of his crucifixion is just filled, filled with prophecies, things that Jesus, if he was just a man, could ever control. Uh, for instance, uh, verse 34, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink you know, while he was on the cross. But when he tasted it, he would not drink. Uh, then they crucified him. Excuse me. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And sitting there, they kept watch over him, and they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. And those who passed by blaspheming him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. And what's fascinating is, brother, you're right. This story is just chock full of fulfilled Bible prophecy. You know, Nathan, I mean, it's just when you consider, uh, again, this, all these events, it's just overwhelming when you take the time to really study the Bible, where there's so, there's so many Christians that they say, well, I'm only a New Testament Christian only. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's it impossible like because Jesus is, is one of the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you can find Jesus throughout the Old Testament. He's the angel of the Lord. That's his pre-incarnate name. And so uh, the New Testament, totally based on the Old Testament, and, and the prophecies are prophesied and requoted in the New Testament. So this idea of old, yeah, we're not under the Mosaic Law and the Old Covenant. That, if they're, that's what they mean, I totally agree with that. But if they're saying like Charles, uh, excuse me, uh, Andy Stanley did, is that we need to divorce ourselves from the Old Testament, well, that's nuts. Why would we cut off the Word of God like that? Uh, you can't understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. And Nathan, and, and of course, imagine how would you be able to understand all these prophecies being fulfilled if you don't have the Old Testament? And this is why we encourage people, listen, the whole Bible is inspired by God. From beginning to end, it's really a book that weaves all the stories together and brings light into all these prophecies. And I think, Nathan, that's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if without knowing what Jesus, I mean, obviously we can read the Gospels. We recommend people who are wanting to know, have never really touched the Bible, start with the book of John, for instance. Yeah, you don't have to know all this Old Testament to understand it. But if you really want to, if you want to know the deep the depth and the levels and the intricacies of God's plan, then yeah, the Old Testament is super important. And I just praise the Lord for our time period we live in where we have Bibles that have reference notes and can show us, hey, exactly where to find these Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Excellent point, Nathan. And, and of course, that, that brings us to Psalm 22. Uh, there's a few verses there. And again, Nathan, again, when we think about this, I mean, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but again, over a thousand years or so earlier before crucifixion was even invented, yet the scriptures in Psalm 22 uh, spoke of this event. I mean, that is just mind boggling. Well, much of what Jesus said on the cross uh, we, we've got a few statements uh, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it is finished and a few others. Uh, but 
If you want a first-person account of all that Jesus said and thought on the cross that was written a thousand years before it happened, that's Psalm 22. King David wrote the words of the Lord a thousand years before he said them on the cross. Psalm 22 prophesies exactly what happened on the cross. So it's mind-numbing reading Psalm 22 and then reading about the crucifixion and seeing the two compared side by side. Mm. You know, Nathan, it's almost like if we were to fast forward today and you and I were talking about an, an invention of innovation that is going to be uh, 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 invented a thousand years from now, people will be like, what? <laughs> Even more so, not just an invention, but the experience the person has using that invention and what that invention does and how it affects people and others around them. And I mean, that's kind of what we got here is that we've getting a, a first person account of God as on the cross, his son, the son of God on the cross. I, I, I love preaching through Psalm 22. I've done it numerous times because it really opens your eyes to the fact that for God, Bible prophecy is already finished. Mm. He's already won his victory. He's already sitting on his throne and ruling and reigning. Human history is over. And uh, that is for God to then step back into time and interject at certain time periods with clips of what's going to happen in the future to us, but has already happened to him. It's called proleptic prophecy. It's prophecy that's about the future, but it's written in past tense. It's proof that God is, exists outside of our time, and he doesn't need to be in time, and time is so humans can cope with reality. I love that, Nathan. What a wonderful word of encouragement. And of course, we moved in from the beginning of the week, Palm Sunday. We're, we're moving through the middle of the week, the crucifixion. But then you mentioned, then we have the, the great news, the good news, and leads us to the, the ending of the week there and what we call the resurrection. And this is a great reminder, Nathan, because, you know, Jesus had told the disciples over and over again what was going to happen. But for whatever reason, they didn't, they didn't believe him. He showed him examples of Lazarus dying and then raising him from the dead. And yet we find this reminder in Luke chapter 24, verses 20 through 25, how Jesus reminded them, you know what, all these things were to take place. Can you take us there, Nathan, in Luke 24, verses 20 through 25? Oh, absolutely. Now the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women said, but him they did not see. And he spoke to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Nathan, I love that because <laughs> he said in verse 26, Are not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And there Jesus says all of what the prophets, not just some, right, Nathan? But that's why you and I are saying to people, the whole Old Testament, really, it, it talks about the Lord. Yeah, it's the whole Old Testament is pointing to the story of redemption. That's what's amazing about the Bible, you know? The Bible's not just one book. It's 66 books written over 1,500 years by 40-plus authors. And yet, they're, all the books are unified by the same theme, the redemption of mankind. God is trying to get humanity back to the point it was like the Garden of Eden, where 
we had fellowship with Jesus and with the, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost face to face. Uh, there was no sin that separated us, uh, but now our sin, our rebellion against God has separated us. And so the Bible's about getting uh, a plan of salvation to work so that mankind can be forgiven. Jesus in John 14, 6, he's, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father mm -hmm. except by me. Only Jesus' sacrifice on the cross allows mankind to have a plan of redemption and therefore be justified and made pure before the Father so that we can spend eternity with the Father in that same loving relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden. And that's the whole Bible in a nutshell. Mm, I love that, Nathan. And listen, for those of you that are part of this program, maybe you tuned in for the first time and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. This will be a fantastic opportunity for you to be open to allow the Holy Spirit to move in your heart, to resurrect you from the dead spiritually, in a sense, so that you can celebrate with us this amazing occasion. But that can only happen by you taking the first step and opening your heart to Jesus. Nathan, would you be able to share with that person in the minute that we have left how maybe they can start that relationship with the Lord even right now? Well, obviously, uh, one of the greatest passages in the Bible, you know it, John uh, 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yes. Uh, that's right out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. What he wants us to do is to repent of our sins. We have done wrong. We have continually rebelled against God's moral law. We live in rebellion with, against him. And it's time to reconcile. And how do you reconcile? You ask for forgiveness. So the first step is to realize you're a sinner and ask for forgiveness. And then you put your faith and trust in the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and our Savior. And then we make a commitment. Uh, the Bible says that we confess with our mouth Jesus Lord and believe it in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. So pray from your heart something like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus will do just that. Your sins will be forgiven. The guilt will be gone and you'll inherit eternal life with him. And once saved, then find a good Bible-believing church to get plugged into. Be baptized by water so that people will see your public confession of your new salvation and uh, continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm, awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Nathan. And, and listen, maybe you trusted in the Lord. We would love to hear from you. We have a Bible we would love to give you. Reach out to us, 305-992-9537. And uh, we would love to just guide you, as Nathan said, and point you in the right direction, reading the Gospel of John, this wonderful story that we were talking about today. And again, reach out to a pastor, find a good Bible teaching church, let them know you want to be baptized. And uh, we want to rejoice uh, with you. So, Nathan, wow, what an incredible uh, resurrection story. And I want to thank you so much for opening up those amazing scriptures and giving us the wonderful history there in terms of when the events took place. Uh, I wish we had more time because, you know, we, we barely got to scratch the surface here. So much happened during the Holy Week. We can point to so many different prophecies and take them one to one. I pray that you all take the verses that Vic and I have provided here Go through them yourselves, and I think you'll just be amazed what you learn about Jesus Christ and his plan for redemption. Mm. Uh, amen, amen. Nathan, thank you so much for being part of our program. And for those of you that are part of the program, we ran out of time for this segment of the program. But we want to encourage you. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And this Resurrection Day, uh, make it an important one. And go out there and share the good news of Jesus Christ with whoever the Lord puts in your path. And again, Vic Batista, Nathan.